0: This is Place Matters, a podcast at the intersection of race, place, and poverty, where we explore the belief that the path towards ending inequity and promoting prosperity is through the work of holistic neighborhood development. Welcome to the final series focusing on one of FCS's three pillars. During this season of Place Matters, we will focus on the pillar of economic development. I'm Sean Duncan, the Director of Training and Consulting for FCS and the host for place matters. Cities today are more economically segregated than they were before the Fair Housing Act was passed in 1968. Through a combination of private investments, public policies, and personal actions, we have continued to deliberately design cities to concentrate opportunity in certain neighborhoods and concentrate disadvantage at others. The neighborhoods that FCS partners with are the ones that have at times been passively ignored and at other times actively harmed by these systems and structures. So what do we do? How do we bring economic vitality into places designed not to experience it? Well, to be honest, most of the time we have had to find hacks to make a way out of no way. Whether it is breaking up a food desert, launching a cafe, or setting up a hub for entrepreneurs and small business owners, we are offering creative, innovative hacks that work against what is for the sake of what should be. Joining me today to talk about the practice of neighborhood hackonomics is FCS Director of Economic Development, Jeff Dell. So last week we had a good long conversation about how it doesn't work and the barriers that exist. And I'd like to pick up on how it should work or maybe how it could work if we envision some, some new possibilities. So tell me what are the benefits of the alternative? So we talked about these kind of car-centered uh, places with lack of density so spread out. So even for folks who have the power, the wealth, the access to live that kind of spread out lifestyle, what's the... What's the benefit of having this people-centered, walkable, densely populated neighborhood-centered life? Like, what's what's the benefit of that? Even if you do have a car, um, I think there's a couple things. When I think. Uh Increased social
1: cohesion, right? Mm. And we've often, especially in the United States, yeah. the very individual individualistic society, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and and I'm sorry if I offend you, but <laughs> um, right there, we live in a, in a society that like yeah. we live with people, mm. uh, and when we mm. are always surrounded by a two-ton metal box. Um, we always that's don't a car treat
0: that. <laughs> that's <it>. that's a <laughs> for a yes, car we don't
1: always treat each other the same way as if we were walking down the street like how many of us i'm just as nice in us, a car no you're not John. i seen you drive uh and we do things in our car that we would never do um, on the in the sidewalk. line at a store right, no. right? we're not yeah. flipping people off or maybe you are i don't know but, i don't cut people uh, off when i'm walking honking just the say horn. That. right like, and so we, we don't see people at, when we're in our metal box we don't see people as humans. We see them as competition for space. I need to get there faster, right? Uh, and so we're like, you're you are preventing me from doing something I need to do. Versus when you're out just out walking the street, you're saying hi to a neighbor, you're pet, petting their dog, you're talking mm-hmm. to their kid, you're standing in line, and so though that that interaction becomes something that builds community, versus. Leading to our blood pressure <laughs> way way, the truth. way too high, right? And so, so social cohesion uh, improves. Uh, there's many more people are able to access. Uh, the economy right and so we have when we talked about this in other episodes right but you you can't ignore the fact that there are people who are locked out so as you talk about equity as equity becomes more important as it should in our conversations uh, a great way of increasing equity is by allowing everybody to participate. Design it that way. It's pretty basic um, right and so uh, it doesn't matter if you don't have to be 16 to walk to the store or to get to the store you don't you know if you are disabled you can participate Uh, um, if you if your kids have taken your keys from you because you can no longer drive, like doesn't mean that you are now forced to be in your room all day long. You can get out of your house and and participate in society, and so uh, it just creates a, a, a whole lot more equity. Um, uh, it's more sustainable, you know. One thing, yeah. And I'm not going to go on a you know environmental rant, um, but <laughs> but the reality is that it's, our car-centric design is not sustainable, right? Uh, you know, environmentally, like this planet is struggling, uh, mm-hmm. and a big part of that struggle is. Um, how we, you know, how we yeah. get around, right? Things that we used to be able to do with our two feet now require a two-ton metal box um, <laughs> that, that burns gas, yeah. which forces our planet to get warmer, mm-hmm. right? That's not, that's not okay. Um, we got, At some point, we got to deal with that. I also think it's more beautiful, right? You think yeah, about, yeah. Um, like, no one drives down the downtown connector, and it's like, oh man, this is gorgeous. This I, is, I'm this just is, inspired, is, I'm inspired to really write poetry <laughs> when I'm on the interstate. I just write poetry;
0: it's just so I mean, inspiring. There you go.
1: <laughs> um, I think I saw a picture of you getting arrested on the. On this the might also be true. <laughs> um, uh, but you, but you, you see these boulevards in places like Barcelona and Paris, uh, New York, right? right I and mean, yeah. you just like the, oh, the trees, and you know, it just for me uh i know i get a lot more energy from being uh in again not behind a a windshield right and being out in in nature and and participating in in the world and not surrounded by uh this enclosure that keeps my temperature 70 degrees or whatever it is right like (laughs) climate control i don't don't need to have a car or a jacket or right for me like I just, i there's yeah, it's just so much that you just we just interact more as I think we're intended to interact. So you
0: think about um, I mean, the Surgeon General just a month or two ago um, uh, released a report on this this epidemic of deaths and deceit, diseases of despair. So this epidemic mm. of loneliness, uh, mm. and I don't think that's divorced from this conversation. That if I'm if the house that I live in and the car that I spend all that time in keeps me isolated to kind of me, my roommates, or my family unit, and then I get out of that and go 45 minutes to where I, I work, and that's disconnected from where I might mm-hmm. recreate or where I might worship, it, there is, we're not living in community with each other, yeah. right? And even when we're in those cars or we're in those homes, we're often tuned in to, to some technology that has our hearts and minds in some other, like we're... Yeah. That we've uh, chosen, yeah. Right? We, the, those the podcast, are the people we've chosen to pay you've attention chosen to, listen to us. <laughs> Stop listening First, to us. Listen to something turn else. Turn <laughs> this on. Go we'll talk to your neighbors. Uh, yep. You know, it's uh, that we're we're creating lifestyles of of isolation, and I, I think by human design, we were meant to be placed mm-hmm. and rooted amongst others. Uh, and we place is almost irrelevant to to, to uh, like if you've got the internet and you've got a car, place can mean nothing mm-hmm. to you. I mean, you you could. Be
1: dropped off in any suburb in the United States. You close your eyes, and you would have no idea. Have if no you're idea where Phoenix, you are. in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Right, you could be, and you could be standing in the parking lot of a Target in any any number all of the places, same. and
0: all looks the same. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, how do we get from where we are to, to something better? <laughs> like, what what would allow for economic vitality to exist in a neighborhood like South Atlanta? So I, I do think that we have a
1: unique opportunity right now as we are rebuilding our cities, right? Um, and, again, this gets, I think, a hard conversation to talk about gentrification, and I don't want to yeah. go there. That's a whole other <laughs> series that we can talk about. But, but we have to acknowledge that our cities are changing. It's and happening. We, and we can't shy away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we have, I think, we have this unique opportunity to, to undo – what we redid, mm. if yeah. That, if that if the money's that, coming, the development's yeah. coming, so let's make do sure it differently. Build it the way it was, right? And so, I think a big pitfall will be if we just bring the suburban style development into our in town neighborhoods, like that's not gonna, like, it's gonna be mm. awful, right? Like, it's not gonna be so. Uh, allowing for the opportunity for us to rebuild our cities in a way that's more inclusive, that does include uh, people that aren't going to drive, like that. that's really, really important. And I think we have the... It's, it's naturally happening we have that we have that trend coming let's harness it and let's do it well um so that's one uh we have to really think hard about our transportation choices right and some of the stuff you talked about the air right like so a couple of years ago i was standing outside of my kid's school we were sitting talking and uh all of a sudden my kids and my friend's kids start running I'm just like, what the hell <laughs> <laughs> and lo and behold this car comes flying around the corner is in a high-speed chase and slams into the car next to me. Literally like 10 feet away, this car slams into the... Holy I cow. had no idea this was going on, right? Uh, high-speed chase. The guy just just got off the highway. Uh, and, you know, he's going anywhere from 100 miles an hour. Now, all of a sudden, in, in two blocks, is on a residential street. Um, you know, why he's being chased is a whole other story. Uh, but, like, can we ask the question, like, should there... Sh- transportation-wise, should there be a highway exit within two blocks of a school? Okay. right right i would argue should there be a highway at all but let's <laughs> not get crazy but i'll be all about or yeah. should we get get exits off it but the reality is we've built our cities for speed and that speed directly counters the safety uh, and people yeah. and people wanting to participate in that society and so if we want something different we're going to have to think differently and allow for different things to happen so when someone says hey we're going to get rid of the highway exit you're not complaining and saying, no, no, not my Mm -hmm. backyard, right? Like, like these are things that literally contribute to what is, uh, so thinking about how we get around, not by speed, but how you get there. One thing, you know, I loved hiking as a a young adult, and I remember, um, one of the guys said, hey, if you you hike only for the destination, you're going to be disappointed, right? Because if you get there, it could be cloudy, it could be rainy, like you might not see the view, right? But you have to enjoy the journey. Uh, And for me, the part of not being in a car is that I get to enjoy the journey. And we have to create more spaces where enjoying the journey is is, uh, part of it. And not just surviving, (laughs) not not dying, right? Mm -hmm. And that too too many times it's about not dying. So creating spaces that uh, the Atlanta Beltline, we were just talking about that, is is that space where you get to actually
0: enjoy It's fascinating how, I mean, how the Beltline has so, like, impacted Atlanta. And at the most granular level, it's a sidewalk it's a freaking sidewalk <laughs> all it is it's a freaking sidewalk but so but it's an example like if you create space for people to be yes. people That's in what it is. in a neighborhood That's... it and it like and, and it's funny how everyone loves it but we're but we still aren't connecting the dots of this is what neighborhoods are yes. s- supposed to be like There's nothing
1: that would preclude us from building our streets the way we built the Atlanta line other than our own votes that say no we can't, we're not going to allow that to happen yeah. right and that's and another so, rant for me and jeff exactly. about whether or not you should be allowed to vote
0: <laughs> on transportation seems like voting on electricity yeah. i don't know it seems
1: kind of weird but, yeah yeah but there's all kinds i mean getting away from single family zoning getting away from parking minimums like make it, making it harder to drive uh, yeah. right because then more people will get out of the car like it, ultimately we make a choice is if it's fast cheap i'm going to drive right you make it harder you make it more expensive And I think you also have to make it safer. People will make a different choice, right? They're just choosing to do what's easy right now. Uh, Yeah, it's
0: often when we, like, uh, there's a road outside of the the subdivision I live in uh, that certain times of day is very crowded because it's near an on-ramp. And people are like, well, we've got to do something to deal with how congested this road is. And so some of the proposals are, well, widen it. It's like, (laughs) no, you're not going to reduce traffic by making it easier for cars to come if we want the traffic to go away we can make it harder for them to be Mm -hmm. here and there's and at the either end of that street are two marta stops and up until just within a year ago when i've been in this house for almost i don't know maybe 17 years there was no sidewalk Mm -hmm. and so there are people i mean like multiple people had been hit and killed trying to get from a marta stop and still no action was taken it's like we're even we're putting marta stops in why would we not connect them with a sidewalk and i I have some guesses as to why yeah. the sidewalks weren't weren't put in there, but
1: but and and yeah, certainly you talk about the question too. I mean, investing heavily in transportation, right? So yeah, we could put a sidewalk by the mar to stop, but if that bus only comes once an hour, I'm ain't sorry. nobody walking it anyway. Uh, yeah, there's, the, I mean, <laughs> yeah. so what would it look like to invest in a public transit system where you walked out to the main road and every 15 minutes at most a mm-hmm. bus was coming? I mean, that mm-hmm. would radically change yeah. uh, how we, uh, but you know. We have to invest in that, um, mm-hmm. and that money's got to come from somewhere, so it's going to be diverted from somewhere yeah. uh, to make that happen.
0: Yeah. Hey guys, just jumping in here real quick with an opportunity for you to bring FCS's principles and practices to your neighborhood. We would love to take you and your local partners through our two-year multi-sector cohort that we call City Shapers. Cohorts launching this year will be partially funded by the Lilly Endowment, so it's a great time to jump in. We have taken three communities through this process already and would love to bring it to you next. Contact us today to learn more at fcsministries.org. So these feel like, obviously, these are big systemic changes we should advocate for, we should work towards, but... While they work for that kind of systemic level change, we have the reality of where we are now. So what, what do we do in a South Atlanta in the midst of that larger systemic reality? I've, I've often heard you kind of call some of our interventions like hacks. We're like hacking the system as it is to make it as good as it can be for now. So what, is that? what, what does that mean for it to be a hack? And how do, we, how do we go about dealing with local realities in the midst of such a large systemic challenge?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, one of the systemic challenges is how do you have a grocery store? Because uh, literally when we opened Carver Market, the, our most viable option for sourcing was through the convenience store supply chain. Okay. Right, which if you ever been to a convenience store, the food there isn't really priced for you to come and shop. You don't clip mm. your coupons and go shop at the QT or Wawa from Philly. think I get Wawa shout-out, mm. uh, right? Uh but that food is not priced to to move, right? And so we wanted to open a grocery store. Our neighbors wanted the grocery store, so the only way of getting one was to hack the system.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> that's what we did. Yeah, we yeah. hacked
1: the system, and hopefully, we get to hear from from Jimmy right in a, in a few episodes uh, from now. Uh, but he opened up his supply chain to us. That we wouldn't have been privy to without him. Yeah. The, uh, so we get all of our food shipped to his store through his supplier. So we get his prices. We get we get the variety that is uh, open to him, uh, and all we gotta do is get it. Well, we gotta pay for it, but we got we got to get it from his store to our store. So once a week. In order for me to get groceries into a store three miles from downtown Atlanta, I have to drive ninety
0: miles to Opelika, Alabama. <laughs> now, the <laughs> populations of Atlanta and Opelika are pretty similar, no, right?
1: No, <laughs> no, they're they're, they're not. Um, but uh, it's absurd
0: that there's it, a massive is, city like Atlanta, you can't yeah, source uh, a grocery store. Uh,
1: and so there's all kind. Of, I mean, there's in that. There's a systemic things all throughout our society where that you just you even if you want to solve the problem,
0: uh, you you often can't. And so even if you want business based solutions for poverty, as some people might say, like, you're not gonna do it with the way business is done. Mm. And I think for us, the way we've stayed in that and why we've
1: pursued the hacks that we have, and there's other hacks that we've we can do a mm. whole episode on the hacks <laughs> if you want, um, is is our deep Commitment to the neighborhood of South Atlanta, right? Mm. Like if we if we were in the business of hey, let's try to start some small grocery stores, we probably would have stopped, right? They would have been too hard. But we heard our neighbors; they wanted the grocery store. We had a building that um, would easily fit a grocery store. All we had to do is solve this one unsolvable problem. <laughs> Just this one little <laughs> this unsolvable one, 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 unicorn another. of a problem. And I remember getting the phone call from Jimmy when he uh, told he told us that he would do this for us as like. Thank you, G. I don't know what we would have done, Uh, but I I had no other option. Right. Uh, uh, But so yeah, that deep commitment to place um, has allowed us to to hack the system be that with G dot with Marta, um, we've had talked to the Beltline, uh, just like, man, like, come on, y'all like, we're the last section of the Beltline to get paved don't think that's by <laughs> coincidence, yeah, uh, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and so, yeah, so that deep that deep commitment to place um, has encouraged us to be in the
0: hacking business. Wow, is it hackonomic development? Is yeah. it a- <laughs> good dad uh, joke yes, for the podcast? There's a great dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so a deep commitment to place uh, is essential if you want to have the creative, gritty stubbornness to be able to hack the system to do good for the neighborhood. What other advice would you say? So the other people out there who care about uh, the disinvested, disadvantaged neighborhoods, they're working in those places, they're building racial equity, uh, they want to see economic vitality. If they're going to do that, they're going to have to hack the system too. Mm-hmm. So other than this, like deep commitment to that place, what are some other kind of pieces of advice you'd give for successful hack work? Um, definitely look at problems as a way of uh, uh,
1: chipping away at them, right? Not just, you know, if us for us – running a grocery store was our ultimate business that we got there by running a thrift store for a while and running a coffee shop, right? And so if we, if we had tried to open up Carver Market in 2001, when FCS first started working in South Atlanta, it would have been an abject failer, mm, failure, mm. right? And so there has to be timing, you have to be patient, you chip away, You take. you do what you can, you build, Uh, towards what you want, not going all in, right? And this is, honestly, like some of our issues with gentrification in our city is we like big flashy projects, right? I'm gonna go put in a huge development here and that just changes things um, overnight versus saying, hey, why don't we start by putting a few houses? Hey, why don't we put a corner store? Yeah. Hey, now why don't we build a, another store? Why don't we add a restaurant, right? And doing an incremental changes. So for sure, shipping away uh, and seeing things as a, on a longer path and not just what the ultimate goal um, is, um, is huge. Don't take no for an answer because times of people are going to tell you no. <laughs> There's <laughs> right? that stubbornness, right? Uh, yeah, you yeah. have to listen, but you you, yeah. you can say no, but you have to listen, uh, which I'm not great at that always, <laughs> but um, but I'm great at not taking no for an answer. Uh, uh, but if if you believe in what it is that you're you're going people are going to tell you no simply because you're doing things differently, right? Now there might be very good reasons why they say no, and you need to listen to those. But but if the uh, if the no is simply because it's just different. That's okay. Not good enough. <laughs> That's it. Keep keep pushing ahead. Keep working. Uh, keep working harder. Um, and we talked a little bit earlier about redefining what success looks like, right? Like, right. Uh, so for us, if if it was about to rerun businesses, typically businesses have a positive bottom line. Ours don't, um, but we would still say they're successful, right? And so can you can you redefine what success is and make that sustainable? Um, and so for us, we've been able to do that. Um, and then. Uh, um, uh, I, talked about this a lot. But I can't stop talking about it. It's making sure that what you do is for the for, right people, yep. right? Not, not you're not fulfilling your mission, right? Because I think, especially in the nonprofit world, often our mission can cloud what people's needs are. Um, and we can say you know, that again. <laughs> we can sometimes, no, <laughs> um, right? So it's uh, always making sure and, and rethinking um, and continuously examining is, are we in this for the right reasons? Are we doing the right thing? How can we change? Should we do something different? Uh, and, and But ultimately, is this is this for the right people? I mean,
0: there's a reason that the the grocery store has been branded Carver mm-hmm. Neighborhood Market and not FCS Ministry Mart or something like mm-hmm. that, right? That Carver is the cluster of schools that this neighborhood is a part of. So there's a sense that this is, this is for and with in, in, yep. the, in this place with them. Um, so there's a couple of uh, really exciting new projects that should be. Is it going to jinx it if I say breaking ground soon? Maybe <laughs> yes, is there yes. enough wood you, in you this room <laughs> to start beating on? Um, so, but there are a couple of pretty exciting developments coming our way that are going to add some more businesses to the neighborhood. So talk about these new projects and what you what you would see as success, sure. whether or not they end up breaking even or whatever. Like what what are, what are you excited about with these new projects that are coming?
1: Uh, so we've been doing this for a while now, right? And we've we've operated stores, um, which is great. But um, the sign of a healthy neighborhood is stores can uh, be done without on us, their own, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, and so that's that's the hope, right? So we're yeah. um, we're in the middle of. Uh, all the permitting process going into building 18 units of housing uh, and a restaurant directly across the street from, uh, from the coffee shop and from the market. Again, that's what we've heard our neighbors wanted. They want a place to sit down while they love community grounds and get a sandwich. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to sit down for dinner or, you know, get more of a meal. Uh, and so we're hoping to, to bring that um, to the neighborhood and, um, that will not be run by FCS, that will be run by an uh, entrepreneur, um, uh, hopefully from the neighborhood or, or close by. Uh, and hopefully we can keep it affordable, right? So if we talk about, about affordable housing, but you know, affordable retail, or, you know, someone who is an aspiring uh, restaurateur or entrepreneur that they, they can afford to be in in close proximity to the excitement that's happening right. in town, not just be completely priced out of it, right? And so, um, you know, our, our hip and cool developments might look different now than they, than they did um, 30 years ago, but, but fundamentally it's still the same. If you have access to capital, you get to be a part of those hip and cool developments, right? And so for us, we're trying to make sure that our space remains attainable um, for someone who wants to be able to do that nearby. So really excited about the restaurant. We don't know what it's going to be yet. We have just started talking to a realtor uh, that's going to be out looking for that. We've tasked them with that. that, that, Hey, how they're going to, it's going to be their business um, so they can do what they want. But we were wanting them to have the same ethos that we've had downstairs at their restaurant Needs to be for everyone, and, and if, yeah. a, if a, someone from Carver High School walks in in there, they shouldn't walk out. They should be welcome. Um, that I can't I can't afford anything here, right? Mm. So we have to have something for everybody. Um, and a little bit farther down the street, we're building a um, kind of a modular um, um, container park um, that will just provide for some um, office space, some more food space. Um, again, small spaces that are really affordable. Again, more opportunities for people to to run. You know, a small business, uh, ice cream shop, uh, bike shop, flower shop, uh, counseling service or whatever, home you know, office or something. But again, this is space that we literally don't have um, uh, at the moment. And um, what gets hard is, you know, it takes a lot of money to put into, um, uh, uh, to build a building that may or may not be economically viable. And so that, how do we activate some of the land that we currently own um, here in the neighborhood that's mostly empty and allow it to be... Um, viable and open for business and Mm -hmm. people coming and going. And so uh, we'll have about 15 to 20 small micro spaces there that we'll be looking to have um, folks in and um, hopefully all that activity just kind of blends itself together, and we're expanding the activity of Carver Market and Community Grounds now to more of a main street, right? So now you have two or three or four things that you can come back and forth to and more reason. All of those things should work together uh, to, to rise the tide of Will you be able everybody. to walk between them? Well, see, so that's a funny question. <laughs> um, there's no sidewalk. Yeah. Um, so, yes, you can walk. It's my belief that streets are for people, Sean. That's crazy. Um, and so, uh, so I will be walking there, but most folks would not walk. I've, I've actually asked a couple of staff members, "Hey, if we put something, if we put your favorite restaurant right there, uh, a quarter of a mile down the street, how would you get there?" And all of them said, "We drive." drive yeah. And um, so we still have some work to do on that, but um, but hopefully, G, hopefully, GDOT who controls the street, when they see these new, and we have actually been told by GDOT. That hey, when when this urban renewal comes, that's a terrible phrase. I'm yeah. not sure, for using it, right? It's t- loaded with it. <laughs> it's brought, so There's a little bit of history <laughs> no, no. but when when this new stuff comes, like, we will change our road design um, because because wow. we, we know that drivers are they're now expecting something different. But if but they literally said but if we change that road design now, drivers are expecting to be able to go fast, and so just designing it differently wouldn't slow them down, which is a crack of Bullshit. I haven't cussed yet. It's my like first time cussing. <laughs> Three episodes in—that's good, man. That's uh, really good. <laughs> uh, um, but so actually, having more stuff would will benefit. Interesting. Uh, being able to change the build environment because for now it just feels like a lone wolf crying.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, but oh, now oh, there's 20 businesses. Maybe we'll actually change Do something. something. Yeah. Mm. And so I'd, so this work is never done. So there's no like put a bow on it. We've we've finished. But if you had a vision of like. This is economic vitality. South Atlanta is experiencing that. What does that look like for you? Is it just a matter of a certain number of businesses? Is it that Main Street being really full or what? What does that picture look like in your head when you see historic South Atlanta is just vibrant with with this economic life? So we have this great thing called the F and I. Oh we, yeah, I've heard do. of that. The um, flourishing neighborhood uh, index,
1: and you know, and part of that should be, and maybe it is. I don't know. I, I'll be honest, <laughs> I don't really know very well. But is is the belief that someone can see themselves growing up here and staying here, mm-hmm. that they have options um, for both employment, but also for living, also for getting around, um, that you don't feel like you're stuck, uh, that you you the feeling that that guy like. This is, this is for me, and I can see myself thriving um, here. And, so, and thriving looks different for so many different people. So I, I'd hate to put, uh, yeah. like, this is what thriving means, but, but the idea is more people feel like they can thrive, whatever that means to them, unless it means having a five-car garage and then go out to the, <laughs> <to> the freaking- <laughs> They'll leave, they leave. <laughs> yeah, go somewhere else. But, uh, but, you know, this belief that, like, you're not stuck here, right? And I feel like for a long time, people have felt stuck. Uh, and we want to, f- uh, being stuck is not fun. Um, being stuck in the snow, hated being stuck in the snow as a kid <laughs> uh, in the car, right? Uh, so we want to get people unstuck and feel like if they, and they ultimately want people to choose to stay here, but that's their choice. Uh, And, but they have a viable, they're, choice, not, they're not, not limited. Yep. If they do choose to stay here, they're not limit, limited in their options or what their life could become. Mm. that is, they could go off to be a pilot at Delta and literally fly around the world and
0: still live in South Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we've I mean we've seen how and we've we talked about this in some of the previous seasons the way that neighborhoods determine so many life mm-hmm. outcomes and when you talk about being stuck in place which is actually a great book uh, that that is literally that there's a force that neighborhoods have on either propelling you mm-hmm. to opportunity to access to belonging mm-hmm. to to all of those things or the neighbor you grow up in can be this uh, this this trap where you really are stuck and prevented that and for and to, for South Atlanta to be Regardless of your income, if you grew up here, like opportunities abound, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, there is no magic mix of businesses, right? It is just more about how the, and uh, I mean, somebody was re- uh, referencing, listening to you talk about and some of the other episodes about the way you think about economic development. Sounds like you're talking about community engagement. It's such a human uh, social thing that you're describing. You're not just describing how do you get people employed and get them paid. Yeah. Well, thank you for this, this conversation. This has been really fascinating. I look forward for, for more to come. Awesome. Thanks, John. The best way to learn about our economic development work and everything else we do is to come see it for yourself. We love hosting guests in historic South Atlanta. Coming March of 2024, we will be hosting a two-day immersive event called Open House. Come, meet our team, see our work, and walk the neighborhood. To register, go to fcsministries.org openhouse open house. Place Matters is produced by Focused Community Strategies, whose mission it is to partner with under-resourced neighborhoods to provide innovative and holistic development that produces flourishing communities in God's shalom. Place Matters is hosted by FCS's training and consulting team. If you'd like to inquire about our training and consulting services, please reach out to us via our website or find us on LinkedIn and social media. This information can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to watch these episodes, the video can be found on our YouTube channel. If you like this episode, please share it on social media. Your support means a lot to us. This show was edited by Tim Rhodes with music by Eric North. Special thanks to David Park, Becca Klein, and Rose Silva at FCS for their work in organizing and recording these sessions. We would also like to say thanks to our partner, Lily Endowment, Inc., whose Thriving Congregations grant has made this podcast possible.